It's the Jan, 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 Jan Arden Podcast. Jan, 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 Jan Arden Podcast. I'm here with Caitlin and Adam and we're talking about... Oh, that's... You know, <laughs> I used to... Back, you know, back before COVID, I... I you guys aren't going to believe this, but I was a singer-songwriter. Yeah. No way. I, no, really? you probably don't remember. Yeah, it was... It was Oh, when did I last work? It was early 2020. Um, anyway, it's not even worth talking about. It was a long time ago. And you know what? You got to let go of things. You got to embrace the new and move forward. So Caitlin, right out of the box, Caitlin is still pregnant. Mm-hmm. And what does your app tell you this week of what your, your unborn, the size of your unborn child? Because Caitlin has an app. She's been a Care Bear a lunch kit? No, that's not right. Care Bear, yeah, lunchbox was one day from a different app, and then I think this week it's a pineapple, which is too spiky for me. Oh, <laughs> why are they giving you such weird, like things that you cannot fathom passing through your female canal? Can we get? That, that's a nice thing to say, right? Female canal. I like. I'll take female canal. Why Thank not? Thank you. Yeah, female <laughs> canoe is more Canadian. I think it's, I think it's that this week and it's just, they're, they try to like, they're trying give to scare you, you. Well, they're trying to give you an idea of like height, but I just wish that they chose like things that were more spherical in nature. I've said that before. No, it's like, but- it's like this week is a pool cue. Like it just doesn't, uh-huh. No, this, I'm going to make up my own app. Adam and I could do a better job. Here's one. How about a head of lettuce or, you know, like a head of romaine, something soft and leafy. Something like, I mean, and the other, I mean, ultimately I think what it is really, and this was last week, but they were like, think of it in terms of like, it's a, you know, a a bag, like, it's like the size of a bag of flour, but the consistency of like jelly, like it's like, it's, it's the baby's more bendy and soft and he hasn't got all of his, his head still soft. His little shoulders are still soft. So he's squishy, but they're trying to give you an idea of length, but I'm like, can we pick more squishy things? That would be my yeah, request to these no, baby app developers. Absolutely. It's like there's there's so many great stress toys that they, they give you now. Yeah. That, you know those balls that you can squeeze or mm-hmm. and, and the jelly just comes out or those little mm-hmm. dolls where you squeeze them and their eyeballs pop out. Yeah. That seems like a more legit idea of what could happen to your child. I don't want to like freak you out at all, but when I was born, and this is a long time ago, this <laughs> is well over half a century ago, my mother... Uh, and this is very well documented in a, uh, in a, in a autobiography that I wrote in 2013, my mom was saying, let me die. Let me die. And she said, I didn't want you to die, but I wanted to die. And it was March. It was a snowstorm in Calgary. They had finally called the doctor after two days of mom being in labor to come and get me. I was breech. So I was whipped around. Um, But anyway, she said, your head was fine. Was so pointed. We had to have a hat on you for a year. So apparently I looked like, you know, one of the cone heads from Saturday Night Live. Oh my gosh. Well, the good thing is, so I have my 36 week ultrasound next week. And that is where they really distinctly tell you how big the baby is, the position that he's in. And if he's briefed, then they just plan for a C-section. See you later. And so they, they kind of deal with all that. And I will say, I cannot give enough credit to the staff at the hospital in Toronto here called Mount Sinai, where I'm get, planning to give birth at, because they are just so, they reassure you about everything. And really make you feel like, because I went in with so many concerns and fears. I had a, an actual phobia of getting pregnant and giving birth. Like I, 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 oh. I a confirmed one. And so I've been like trying to process all this information. And they just do such a good job of telling you to like take everything 
in the moment day by day. Do not try to come up with your birth plan and just know that like my OB said, I've delivered, she said, I've delivered 10 babies in one day and our labor and delivery nurses, like they are geniuses and this is a supernatural part of life and you can do it. A very wise woman said to me, your body knows what to do. Mm -hmm. Your body knows what to do. And I think you, it's almost like strapping into a roller coaster, Caitlin. Yeah. Get on your ride. You're, you're tall enough to ride this ride because you, <laughs> you, you, so you pass that. And uh, Adam, were you there when your wife gave birth? Were you in the room with her? Right beside her both times. Aww. Yes. Now is, is your husband, because of COVID, is, is your husband allowed in, Caitlin? Yeah. So he's my one support person. Like if I okay, wanted that's a doula. Awesome. Yeah. If I wanted a doula, which I thought about, uh, I, I couldn't bring that person. I would have had to swap them out for my husband, Kyle. So I thought, yeah, I'll let him come. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're going to do great. And I'm going to phone these app people. I, I originally, you know, my initial thought was to have them sponsor our podcast, our show, but I'm just, you know, the pineapple did me in like it's, yeah. it's, oh. it doesn't matter which end comes out first. It's just not a good idea. No. So feel good story of the day. People mm. have not changed that much in thousands and thousands of years. I feel like ever since families kind of started hooking up and, men and women or women and women or men and men started having kids and creating these families. They created these homes, you know, they built themselves houses out of whatever. Archaeologists have just discovered a fantastical looking house in Turkey. I want to go to Turkey so bad. You guys like Turkey to me, it is like the cradle of all of it. There's so much interesting archaeology there. That's older than Italy. It's older than Greece. Like Turkey is the bomb. (laughs) Anyway, there's a house in Turkey that they found decorated with um, wall paintings and terracotta. They've got terracotta tiles on the floor. Anyway, on the, what they, what they've used to decorate the walls, like into the wet clay is puppy paw prints, which breaks my heart into a billion pieces. And um, they think also little chicken feet pressed into the walls and the archaeologists are basically saying that these were very treasured animals to them. Obviously, the chickens, they got eggs or, you know, a little bit of protein or whatever they're doing. But I just, their whole walls are covered with these. So I'm picturing them having their puppy that day, 1,500 years ago, you know, and speaking whatever they are to each other going, he's getting worn out. Like, give him a break. His little feet, you know, into the clay. So they were very proud of their, their animals like- that they had. It's like the original wallpaper when you think about it. And I just love the notion of like, even back then people wanted to like decorate their homes and make them their own. And they thought, how can we do this? Well, the OG wallpaper apparently is pressing your beloved pet's hands and feet into your clay walls. That's so cute. Well, anyway, I, it's either that, I mean, there's, sorry about the dog, Mitty. There's your beloved pet. Yeah. And I'm going to take her and you're going to go into that snowbank. I mean it. Oh, she sees there's a squirrel right outside the window taunting her. Oh, those squirrels. Okay, we're just gonna we're gonna walk over. We're gonna stay calm. I don't want I don't want any violence on our podcast. Let's just let her <laughs> out. Taking over the segment. She always does. I anyway, the other there was another archaeologist that was kind of disagreeing with the guy that had made these foundings, saying that you know they were purposely done. She thinks that you know, like most pets that aren't you know, naughty, they walked across 
the, the floor or, and I'm thinking, no, how can they walk across a wall? Yeah. No. So anyway, I um, also let us have this archeologist. Let us have this story. <laughs> well, I just, uh, as you know, one of my, my dream jobs is to go on a dig somewhere. So if there's anybody out there listening, when COVID is over, I don't need to be paid. I've got my own rubber boots. I've got knee pads from baseball from the eighties <laughs> and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to do whatever you need to do. Okay. This is a very, very rapid swap of topic here. Love it. I, I want to know if you guys believe in God. I know oh. I wrote, I was laying in bed last night and I'm <laughs> like, these are things that I want to know about Caitlin and Adam, because as much as we've been talking for like over a year, I don't know anything about your religious leaning. So Adam, do you believe in God? In a word? Yes, I do. Okay. I'm not a religious guy. I am not religious. I, I was waiting Jewish. for this. No, no, I want, I, I knew you were Jew. I know you're Jewish. And yep. that's why I just, I wanted your take on that. I'm a traditional Jew. I like uh, traditions and, and, and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm not a religious observant Jew. Do you do Passover and, and Seder and Hanukkah and Yes. And, and I know where to get all the good bagels in the city. That's, that's about <laughs> my level of commitment. <laughs> I know where the good delis are. That's, that's, I'm a stomach. Are you, are you more, <laughs> are you more Jewish or less Jewish than your parents? I'd say we're about the same. And how about your parents? Are they less Jewish than their parents? Like your grandparents, were they super Jewish? They obviously came from the old country. I think a little bit more. Yeah, okay. I think a little bit more. It's, um, I'd say that I'm about the exact same as my parents. Okay. Yeah, I would say so. My little brother married a Jewish girl, his first marriage, and uh, he called himself Jewish light. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, he, 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 said, he, he said once to me, he says, well, you know, since I've married into the family, I am getting better deals on jewelry. Like, I find that a bit <laughs> offensive. <laughs> but, uh, okay. I think the term is Jew-ish. Jew-ish. Okay. Jew-ish. <laughs> so, so, Caitlin any kind of religious leanings? I mean, you're about to have a child. I, I would wonder <laughs> if that is um, kind of exaggerated your idea of God or creation as no. Uh, okay. <laughs> Just no, fill me in. Tell me what is it? Are you completely agnostic? Are you? Yeah, I'm agnostic, meaning that I'm not going to pretend to know one way or another. Like I'm not going to, okay. I'm not going to, like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like there is no chance that there, like, I can't say that. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> and I'd like to say that I won't be surprised either way. Plus there's like a, like, I don't, I mean, <laughs> when you die, it's not, you're going to be like, Hmm, that's what yeah. I figured. Yeah. Like if I, if like in the moments before, you know, you die and I forget if this is a Ricky Gervais bit or not, but it feels like it might be to me that, you know, you either realize right before you go that you're like, Oh, that was it. Cool. All right. That's kind of what I thought. Or you get up there and there's a person in sandals and a robe and they're like, so you weren't sure about me. And I want to make sure that I can say, yeah, but I didn't actively not believe in you. So that's got to count for something. Please don't send me to limbo or something. No, worse. no, it counts for something. And we're going to talk more about it when we come back. You're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. Guys playing. Guys playing. Welcome back or just welcome. If you're just joining us right now, it's Jan Arden podcast. I'm here with Adam and Caitlin. And I've just asked them, you know, that question that we all dread being asked. And do you believe in God? And Caitlin is, is, she's like six weeks away from having a child. <laughs> yep. Five, six. Yep, six. 
Um, first child, Caitlin is yeah. in her thirties. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just was kind of wondering, gosh, does it, when you're like, you're making a person with your body. Yes. That's your right. husband helped out. That's the fun part, but mm. it, it, I cannot get my head around because I never had children. Don't we've talked about this many times in the show, but I would think that the idea of creation and making something like with fingers and toes and little nails and hairs and little teeny <laughs> individual eyelashes. And like, to me, it, it truly is a miracle. And I, maybe I'm just being really overly sentimental because we've been in our houses being reflective for 11 months, but I just, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. And, I'm excited. Uh, but I, I believe in God. I know no one was going to ask me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> we I don't were. know what it is. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but I just feel, you know, being an artist that I, I have nothing to do with songwriting. I have nothing to do with, I, I mean, I want to take credit for them, but I'm literally sitting down and I will be just filled with awe that I'll get an idea for a song. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's almost like a gift. I, I, I always picture like a, someone with a lightning bolt kind of poking it into my temple trying to prompt me to write things down. And I think Keith Richards once said about writing and songwriting and God, or I'm not too sure what he was referring to, but he said, it's like turning the dial of a radio. Mm. And he says, you've got fuzz, 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 and you're looking, looking, and then you land on this signal. And think about that, an invisible signal sent from some radio tower. I mean, there's, there's radio signals that people have heard from thousands and thousands of miles away. So that's what makes me think about even the idea of prayer and, mm-hmm. and people kind of toss that idea aside going, praying, what does that do? But if a radio station can send out a bleep that can hit your transistor radio, that's not plugged into a wall and you can hear a song from a thousand miles away on a cold winter night. It is to me, it's so inspiring. I mean, am I, yeah. am I really going out there on a limb? No, I, 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 I love the, I love the positive relationship that so many people have with religion and with God and what it means to them. I think it's great. My grandmother was like one of the most religious people <laughs> I've ever known. <laughs> what does Mitty believe in? But like, it is very, um, it's special and it's empowering and it gets people through really dark times. And I think that people's relationship with their faith is like, it's just, it's just great. I just, you lose me in the negativity and you lose me in the details. You lose me in the telling people how to live their lives. Well, well the, the um, punishment and the reward part of it, Caitlin. Yeah, that, that's and, stuff and, I don't, and that, I like that was, that was, that was created by men. That was created by a group of individuals that, you know, the, the, the church collected taxes, but that the idea of punishment and reward, mm-hmm. like I, I'm not going to get into the Bible because I know very little about it. I had a very religious <laughs> period in my life when I was 16. My mom said I was impossible to be around because I was <laughs> quoting Bible things. I was telling people how to live their lives that they were all going to go to hell. Like she said, it only lasted six weeks. Thank God. But you just wandered around with that Gideon's Bible. <laughs> and, um, but it is, it is the idea of like, if you don't do this, you will not get into heaven. You will get punished. The whole idea of sin and, and yeah, there's bad things that people do, but there's a lot of good things that people do too. So it can't be used yeah. as a tool to threaten people. Well, yeah. And I think that like on top of everything else, when you are pregnant and you're giving birth, you're like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to think that this like perfect little thing that's brand new to the world that I'm giving birth to is born with an original sin, but according this- to some religions. Like I- that's where you, that's the stuff where you lose me. But I do think that like the big picture stuff 
um, is special to people, something, something that connects us all together on planet earth, something that, you know, a greater purpose, charity, serving other people. Uh, I love that. I love that. I love that aspect of any, any religion that subscribes to it, but the negativity and the way that it's used as a tool to collect money, um, and the greed and the stuff like that, I'll, I stay away from it. And so that's kind of the where Bible, the Bible always had caveats. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, we'll, like, yeah, that's, you'll get you this, yeah. but you have to do this. I mean, I, I, there are so many stories that I think were more fable. Like, like I said, I can't even address the Bible. I know nothing about it. I don't want to offend anybody. I just wanted to ask that bigger question. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you think happens to you when you die, Adam? Do you believe in the afterlife? And if you these if these questions are freaking you out, you don't have to answer me. But <laughs> I people um, I was having this conversation the other day with a friend. She goes, "I'd love to hear what they thought about that." I wish you would ask them that. And I said, "I will in the next podcast. I'll ask them." I don't deal well with death at okay. all. I can I can talk about it in this you know, but I, I don't deal well with death. It's a hard one for me. So I have to believe in my mind that there is something else after we pass. I have to believe it. I don't know what it is, but I have to believe it. Well, I mean, the whole physics part of it, um, I had a pacemaker in, put in my body when I was 20 years old. And it's really hard to imagine that a small little electrical impulse is the difference between you being here and you not being here. I had it for like 17 years. Long story. Anyway, but when I was 20, thinking about that little electrical impulse we, our bodies are run by electricity. We don't think about that often because we're, you know, these fleshy big nubs of whatever, but we're run by electricity. You guys are running on electricity right now, your brain, everything. And electricity just changes forms. It, it never dissipates. It has to go somewhere. So I really truly believe in, in just the human spirit going somewhere. I feel my parents around me more now. I, I'm getting to know my dad better now that he's gone than when he was here. Caitlin, after afterlife thoughts? I don't think it's like a like a place per se that you all go and hang out. Um, but I do think that something else continues. Your energy is not just going to disappear completely. Um, I'm I'm a little more scientific than I am, you know, spiritual as a person. I, I love science a lot, so I do think something has to happen to your energy. There's a whole lot of it. And I think that's why people account for, like you've said, Jan, you know, feeling your lost family members around you, why people have those supernatural experiences, why they still feel those connections after people pass away. Um, I just think there's something there that I don't understand. It's like a different plane of existence that I don't understand. But part of me has always viewed that, frankly, as a little more scientific than spiritual, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like there's... I feel like there's a scientific reason for it. it. It doesn't make it any less special, but I don't think it happens based on, you know, what, what form of God you pray to necessarily. Like, I think great, it's kind of universal. Very much so. Great cartoon, theologian and a, and a scientist walking up the same mountain on different sides. They get to the top and they're like, hey, what are you doing here? Hey, what are you doing here? So I very much agree with you that you're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. We'll be right back with many, many more esoteric transcendental questions. <laughs> and queries. Only the good die That's what I said. Welcome back. I swear to God in heaven. We are <laughs> going to start a podcast of what happens in between the breaks of this podcast. We because should. it is a whole entire different thing. And then we all go, no, no, no this is stop, stop. Let's 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 record. 
So Caitlin has a movie to tell us about that has to deal with the afterlife, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And so what is it? Go, tell me. It's tell me the, everything. It's the latest Pixar film, and it's called Soul. <gasps> and I, every I single person. Yes. Okay, so you saw it. I oh, my it. God. I loved it so much. I love Pixar. Little known fact about me for my whole like life, I kind of secretly, not so secretly, wanted to work at Pixar. I think they are just geniuses. They do so much great stuff. And this movie is fantastic. It's probably my favorite movie of the year. And it deals entirely with the afterlife, the notion of having souls, the notion of purpose on earth. It is so great and magical. Comforting. Comforting. Exactly. But real. They don't fluff over stuff. Like it deals with death, but it's like it, they, they make it palatable. They make you not feel like it's dark and hopeless. And, and it's, it's funny. So funny. Um, it is S-O-U-L, just like the soul of a human being. Mm-hmm. And it is on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of viewers out there going, fine for you guys. You can do the $8.95 <laughs> a month. And, but when you think about some of these streaming services... Let me just say, I don't know, have you taken your kids to a movie like in the last year and a half? It's 12 bucks a person. The popcorn is going to cost you more than the movie. You got to park your car. You got to get there. So if you're taking your two kids to a movie with you and your husband, you and your partner, it's going to be a hundred bucks, right? So to me, that's a whole damn year of Disney plus. So anyway, just, just bear with us when we say things like that. Fine for you guys. (laughs) <laughs> but it is, I would, I would have, I would have signed up for Disney plus just to see that movie. Absolutely. Um, I just loved it. You're right, Caitlin. And, and I think it's very child friendly. I think for a lot of parents that, what, when do you, when do kids start asking those questions, Adam? Like have your little girls, what, how old are they again? They're seven and nine. So are you, are you getting any questions about, is there a God? What happens to me when I die? A- any of that stuff yet? You and your wife? Not, not really. No, okay. uh, my, my older one is a little more in, in touch with that, but not like, cause she know, I like, I think she understands death and she's lost uh, great grandparents before. So I think yes. she knows my younger one doesn't, she doesn't know. She's right. Not there yet. Do you remember at, talking to your parents about it? Not really. I, I think I've always avoided it, but I certainly remember losing my grandparents. I was, when I was born, I had four grandparents and then um, my, my grandparents on my dad's side died when I was very young, even at like three years old, but I remember right. them. And then um, my dad, sorry, my mom's father died when I was, I don't even think I was 10. I understood what death meant. So you, you were exposed to it anyway. Yeah, but I was very lucky. I have to mention my, I was very, very close with my grandma on my mom's side and she passed away when I was 26 and I was devastated because we were so close. And like that one, that one in my entire family is the one that hit me the hardest because we were so close. No, I get that. It's, but the thing with our culture, Caitlin, and I don't know how you feel about this. It, and it's, it's much like what Adam is alluding to. And that is our inability to have discussions about death and dying Mm -hmm. that are, and, and I'll tell you what, it has been shoved up our gobs the last 10 months because of the extraordinary uh, amount of death um, that's happened all over the planet. It has been accelerated. Obviously we're dealing with a a disease that's brought hundreds of thousands of more deaths into the fold of very unexpected deaths. So we're having to have a conversation. And I think even people that have their kids at home that are seeing newscasts they're seeing Mm -hmm. statistics and things like that so there had to have been 
this conversation that has started this year in 2020 yeah. about death and dying. I just, what are your thoughts about that? I think it, 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 the, the, the focus on like, you know, mortality and living around the constant fear of maybe getting sick makes people think about that a lot more. And little kids, like my nieces and nephews will like look around a room and be like, where's the virus, you know, yes. cause they, they have a hard time conceptualizing it. They think it's going to be like a physical thing. Um, so I think that has made people talk a lot more seriously about mortality. I hope it makes people change some things for the better in terms of like long-term care, how we treat our senior citizens, you know, for a culture that's so afraid of death, we certainly cart our old people off to some pretty bad circumstances faster than we should, especially here in Ontario, our long-term care disasters just makes your head spin. So I hope that people have talked about this a little more, a little more freely, a little more constructively, like their wishes, like what they would want, you know, like I've talked a little bit about that previously with my husband, not in a dark way, but just what I'm about, what I would like, you know, what my preference would be. And I don't think we talked a lot about death when I was growing up, but I do remember my dad was reading me the Bible before I would go to bed for a period of time in life. He, he well, thought he thought that's what he should do because he was raised very Catholic and both my grandparents were no, incredibly Catholic. No, it's the Catholic. sweetest. It's so yeah. sweet. But it gave me nightmares real bad. Oh. And because the stories are dark and they deal with death a lot and it's just, you know, it was very different than your day-to-day life. Well, imagine the world 2000 years ago. There was a lot going down. Yeah. It was like someone's yelling stuff out from the sky and they're carving it onto a stone (laughs) and all these people are killing their own family members. Like it was just, it was nuts. So I I mean, he had to stop reading it. Well, animal sacrifices. Oh, I was uh, like, what? Yeah, no. Do you, what was the story? I, I'm, we're going to get so many letters and so many phone calls about this. I know, I, I know little fragments. Who was the guy that was <laughs> told to like sacrifice his son? And then God said, no, I knew that you would do what I was going to tell you, but you Is don't. Abraham? What? Yeah. Abraham. What the hell was that story? Listen, we can't talk about this. We're going to get, letters. I know. Cause people <laughs> are going to be like, Hey, that meant a lot to me. Okay. In, in context, <laughs> I'm just saying a story like yeah. that would have scared the, no pun intended, but the hell out of a kid. And to listen it to was like, I think it was like a children's, it was a children's like Bible, but it was still very like old. <laughs> a children's Bible. It, I mean, it was like, it was, but it, it freaked me out. And so, you know, he kind of took a break from it and it was just because it was one of those things you think you do. And I think what was more important to me was learning the like religious lessons that my grandparents lived by, which was mostly taking care of other people. My grandfather worked in social services. He worked in government and he was really dedicated to helping people who were less fortunate, people who had physical disabilities. Um, You know, they were very dedicated to like helping the poor, which is like, that's where my heart lies when it comes to religion. But yeah, the death stuff always just, I was like, oh, this freaks me out. (laughs) Well, I, I still, I truly believe that in our culture, there has to be a more healthy dialogue than what we're having. I'm very lucky that I had a mom and I've talked about her so much, but she talked about death like it was a submarine sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> she just made it, it was part of a conversation when we, when we were little and nothing to be afraid of. And why the heck would I be afraid of dying? She just was so cavalier and intrepid. Like my mom just gave me, and I think that's why I'm just so okay with just trying everything and falling on my butt and my mom. <laughs> and my dad was the antithesis of that. My dad spent his life as an alcoholic so frightened of death and dying 
so frightened of God. And here's, here's the kicker raised in a Mormon family. And I'm not saying anything about Mormons. I know some friggin' awesome Mormons that are amazing, liberal, forward thinking people. So please don't think I have any, whatever you believe in, I, I'm behind you as long as it's good and decent. And it's not, you know, killing goats on the top of a mountain. You, you have my, <laughs> you have my support, but my, my dad. So I watched these two people that were in this partnership that were on opposite ends of the pool. And I, I really had to make choices growing up of like, who am I going to follow here? Mm-hmm. Who's, whose boots am I going to put on? And my mom, you know, in a lot of ways I followed her, but there's a lot of things that my dad passed on to me that I just, there's just no, I, I can't lie about that and, and say that it didn't affect my thinking because it did. So parents beware, you know, you really have to be mindful of how you instruct your kids and yeah. to give them a fair and balanced idea of, of, you know, they have to make their own decisions inevitably. Don't you guys agree? Absolutely. And I, I grew up very much that way, like decide for yourself, no pressure. You don't, you're not going to be some failure if you're not exactly who we are. Um, but I do think that you, I would try actively as a soon to be parent, not to freak my kid out, like to try to do a little <laughs> bit, Jan, like what you said about what your mom did for you, which is make them feel resilient and not afraid of something that is coming for us all. Let's be real. And yeah, just so, don't, just don't bring it, just don't bring dying up when, when there's, you know, 25, we're going to be right back. <laughs> You're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. Don't lose that thought, Caitlin, because there's something else I want to pick your brain about. Oh my gosh. I know right now if I could eat, if I could eat like a giant bag of caramel popcorn, I would eat it. Like I'm, I'm having the weirdest, weirdest food cravings in the world. And it's not just because we've been talking about the afterlife either. I mean, (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but my food habits and where, what I've been eating and what time of day is, is so, can I say ass backwards? I I think we're all right with that. I won't be, but it's, it's just Looney Tunes. Yeah. There's no schedule for anybody right now. That's why. No, but I mean, wanting spaghetti at 8.30 in the morning. Like I work out and I'm thinking, I think I'll make spaghetti. And and you know what the difference is now? I'll make it for myself. Yeah, you can because you're home. That's what I mean. The schedules are all off. Who made up the breakfast foods? Like who said, like, that's what I don't get either. Like the Europeans are way more forward. Like in Scandinavia, you should see their frigging breakfast. It's like so much more, it's cooler like the the bre- the breads and the this anyway it's just way cooler than what we do oatmeal cereal oatmeal's great i'm not a big cereal person when i spent time a little bit of time in like sweden and copenhagen i do really think they make a delicious breakfast they know their they way do. Of, yeah and i forget the name of it and someone's going to cr- tell me i think the pronunciation is like sort of like s'more broad anyways in copenhagen it's, it's like <laughs> these open faced um, yes and it's on that like really thick dense bread and oh. they put little shrimp shrimps on it with like a creamy sauce chocolate sprinkles you guess you can do them sweet or savory and they're so good and then you go to places like korea and japan where their breakfast is always savory. soup yeah it's big giant bowls of soup with eggs yeah. floating around and exactly. and all these vegetables and noodles and mm-hmm. i know i, I, I love want, that I, can can Canada and America please work on breakfast? Can we just get her going? 
Like I'm just saying, well, and Adam, I cut you off. I knew you wanted to say something early on. Go. You were talking about popcorn. Yes. Have you ever had Garrett's in Chicago? Garrett's in Chicago. Is that like a, a popcorn making? The Chicago mix. Oh, yes. Garrett's is a, a, a place in Chicago that sells popcorn. And their caramel corn, Chicago mix, which, which is the cheese and caramel, mm-hmm. out of this world. And I'm not a popcorn person, but Garrett's is next level. Okay, let me ask you this. Do they have that in the airport? Yes. They have the, Okay, yes, I have. I have had it many times. I've gone through there, tired, 11 o'clock at night, had delay, delayed flights, and I've eaten Garrett's popcorn. In fact, mm. I, I, uh, I remember talking to a guy. I, I just didn't know what the, the name was on it, but they do have a, a cart that's down by where the Air Canada flights go out of. Yeah, I would highly recommend that if we ever get back into airports. That yeah. is outstanding. Um, one, thing I, one thing I was going to say, we were talking about connectivity and how people, you know, talking about the afterlife and, and the idea of dying and how connected we are all. Um, COVID, there's a lot of good things that are going to come out of this, I think, globally. Not the dying part. It's horrendous. It is <laughs> gut-wrenching, heartbreaking for the frontline workers. I, I don't feel like we need to repeat how much our hearts go out to the people dealing with this that mm-hmm. don't get to stay in their houses that don't get to eat popcorn and just wait this out and be, you know, put off that we have to wear a mask when we go to the dry cleaners. Like, come on people. Um, COVID went around the globe in a matter of weeks. So when you talk about what happens in other countries, whether it's pollution, nuclear fallout, overfishing, um, the, the misuse of water, we are connected like you would not believe. Mm-hmm. If a tiny little microscopic invisible virus can make its way around the globe, and I'm talking about the Seychelles Islands, I'm talking about Bali, you know, we're talking about Antarctica, where there's 40 people sitting up there in a scientific base at any given time. It made its way there. Yeah. So, and this is after extensive testing of people going on to that little let's call it a pod. So anyway, just, that's just a reminder to people of how connected we are. So no matter how far away you think problems are or wars are or poverty is, um, we are so connected. And I think that will be the takeaway for me for many, many, many years to come, probably my whole life as to how much we have in common with people. We don't think we know that we don't think we understand. They have families, children, homes, houses, uh, every every healthcare system has been taxed, and every healthcare worker is fe- dealing with the same issues, the same problems. So we're we're not we're not dissimilar. We're we're the same. And it's a cool thing to keep in mind when you are in isolation, as a lot of people are, is that you know we're we're all kind of you feel like you're alone, and I'm experiencing this maybe you know more deeply, or I'm having a worse day than anyone else today. But it's not like everyone's experiencing this together, and even when you don't feel connected to everybody else, you are. You just are. Yeah. And uh, that's what makes it, that's what makes it so, such a special time for humanity and such a kind (laughs) of, for lack of better things to say, a a come to Jesus moment where everybody, you know, people say that it's like, you you have this, you have this reckoning, this conversation with yourself and you, you look at your fault lines, you look at your, you know, the cracks in your life that you've always wanted to fix or jobs that you've wanted to change or friendships that you've wanted to mend. Um, This has been 
a spectacular awakening for people. We've seen so much happen and we've certainly touched upon the BIPOC Black Lives Matter movement, not a movement, but the, just the reckoning that we all have to face with, with everything that will hopefully continue to be a huge discussion as we go forward in our lives. Uh, Caitlin, you just touched on the care of our elderly. Oh, I don't yes. think we can ever go back to how we have run nursing care homes, mm-hmm. long, long-term care homes, uh, care for uh, memory loss patients. Holy crap. COVID cracked that right open. Well, and here in Ontario, I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm calling it like it is. It's a disaster. Our long-term care is a disaster. For-profit long-term care is a disaster. It has to end. It's inhumane. And these are people who built our present. Like these are people who like, like they built our lives. They built our roads. Yeah. Everything. And we, and we cart them off into, you know, for-profit homes. And we're told by the people who run these homes that they're going to take the best special care of your, they're not, they're not doing that. And they need to be held accountable. And the government of Ontario needs to be held accountable. Our minister of long-term care should resign. I cannot believe the, the situation that we find ourselves in. And to feel so helpless to read these stories all the time and to hear from people who have family members in long-term care and to have them not know if they're alive every day. And the, the circumstances around their diet and their, their dehydration. And the, uh, I just, I can't, it overwhelms me. It just makes me feel so angry that like people are profiting off of our most vulnerable members of society. It it takes me right off. So I do hope this changes because we have a really great team of doctors and long-term care advocates who wrote a letter this week. I think there were 300 of them that got together and they started really like getting into it on social media and using their voices. And I think that that hopefully will impact some really positive change. And you're right, Jan, it's sad that this happened the way that it has in COVID. It didn't need to happen this way. But as a result, I really do think that Ontarians are more aware of how poorly treated our, our senior citizens Well, I think the most heartbreaking aspect of what you were just talking about is that, and I don't want to just say millennials, I'm going to kind of include all of us in there, that we felt that within this epidemic, that this was an acceptable loss, that pre-existing conditions, if I hear that effing one more time, oh, but they had a pre-existing condition. Listen, if you're walking on this planet, you have a pre-existing condition. It's called being human. And we don't know if we have aortic chambers that are going to explode. We don't know if we're 10 minutes away from diabetes. We don't know if we're walking around with cancer. People have got to stop that dialogue. Mm -hmm. And with the elderly, that that has been an acceptable loss. And that's been kind of a real Western opinion. I know even in places like Italy and, and France and um, in Europe where, where elderly people are much more absorbed into their families, they're not stuffed into long-term care like we have here. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, back it in- is, yeah. 
Well, it feels like back in the day, it was this thing to kind of strive for when retirement homes first came out. It was like this, they were pitched as this beautiful oasis and this upper class thing to do, you know, is to have your family member be able to go to this wonderful retirement home. And some of the good ones are great. My grandmother received excellent, again, government supported long-term care in Prince Edward Island. Um, the second home that she went to, not so much the first, but the privatization of long-term care here in Ontario has created a situation where you are profiting off of the most vulnerable and there is no oversight and they mistreat the people who work in these homes. They keep them at poverty wages. Um, it's just a disgrace. And I, I, I hope that these doctors continue to blow the lid right off it, frankly. They will. Uh, the, the images that we've seen of people looking through windows with their hands up against the panes of glass, looking in at their loved one that they haven't been able to see. I mean, it was bad enough when we could kind of oversee our parents mm -hmm. and our grandparents and go in and check their rooms and check their hygiene and see if their bums had a rash on them. And like, I'm, I'm saying this because I checked my mom all the time. Oh, uh, we have know. 60. Yeah, we have 60 seconds left. But what I want to say to people is to be, be positive. And I know you've heard it all. Patience is key with all of this. We are going to get there. I know it's frustrating with the rollout of these vaccines. We are in uncharted territory. And I think for us to just point fingers and blame everybody and the, the government is at a loss too. And we have to remember when you say the word government, you're dealing with a bunch of people. People that live in houses just like yours down the street, people that have kids, people that are have been ill-prepared for this. And I think sometimes we're, we just think the government's supposed to have all these immediate answers and they don't. And that's why it's a democracy. We have to stand up, be heard, be diligent, look after each other and be kind. Yeah, we're still seeing masks down people's chins and their noses hanging out and, and people being ding-dongs. But I'm telling you, the majority people out there are, are damn good people. And I'm quite frankly proud of, proud of all of us for you know, doing the things that we're doing. Yeah, there's, there's lots of fault lines, but steady on. We're going to get there. Caitlin and Adam, thank you for being so open to answering these questions today. Um, I think we're going to be drinking beer in some bar in, <laughs> in, in space. And I'll, I can't wait to introduce you to my mom and dad. So, And I'll, I'll meet your grandparents. Absolutely. Sir. Anyway, for sure. steady on, everybody. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. Totally different. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.